Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. <laughs> 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. The Annie Fry Show YouTube live chat poll of the day is sponsored by Ruler Foods. Low prices, no coupons. Ruler Foods. That is exactly what I needed to hear. Thank God someone here knows what they're talking about. That's us. That's right. Gotta love this American ride. Right, you need to take the time and get the full picture. I love the ladies. I mean, they rev my engine, but they don't belong in the newsroom. It is Anchor Man, not Anchor Lady. Goodness sake, Beth. Keep your voice down. Your father's listening to the radio. I'm not America's This is the Annie Fry Show. We can now make a major projection. CNN projects that Donald J. Trump will win the Republican presidential primary in New Hampshire. The former president scoring his second decisive victory of 2024, delivering a powerful blow to his only remaining major opponent, uh, primary opponent, Nikki Haley. Trump taking a critical step toward winning his third Republican presidential nomination. Again, CNN projecting Donald Trump will win the Republican primary in New Hampshire. And we should note uh, that it has never happened that somebody won Iowa and New Hampshire and then did not go on to win their party's nomination. So that's Jake Tapper on CNN projecting Donald Trump to be the winner. Of course, he was the winner. Nikki Haley coming in second place despite her uh, quasi-victory speech that rubbed Donald Trump quite the wrong way. The YouTube live chat poll for today on the Annie Fry YouTube channel. Why is Nikki Haley staying in the race? Is it because she can win or she wrongly thinks she can win to collect donor money or because she's a Democrat plant We'll know what you think. Go to the Annie Fry YouTube channel and figure out what you think and let us know there. There are questions that are moving into the next uh, competition, which is in Nevada. South Carolina is where Nikki Haley is setting her sights. And I'm curious to find out what DeRoy Murdoch has to say about those results. A nationally syndicated columnist and a member of Project 21, Fox News contributor, DeRoy, come back, uh, is back with us on the show. DeRoy, thanks for being here. Great, Annie. Great to be with you. Were you surprised at all about the results last night? Donald Trump coming in first place in the the arena that Nikki Haley had really counted on succeeding in? Uh, I wasn't surprised that Trump won. I thought it would be a, a bigger uh, victory than it was. I think she tightened things up uh, a little more than we thought. Uh, I think having... Uh, 
having Ron DeSantis pull out, you know, made it much more of obviously a two man or one one man one woman race certainly. Uh, but uh, a big a big uh, sort of wild card here that people don't think about quite maybe so much is uh, that this was an open primary, which is something I oppose in, uh, in general, not just in New Hampshire but everywhere. I think that Republicans should pick the Republican nominee, Democrats should pick the Democrat nominee, and if you're an independent, then you know if you support a third party, great. But uh, you had a lot of people participating in the New Hampshire primary yesterday who are not Republicans. Uh, and uh, Fox News did a, a survey on this, uh, speaking with voters, and the overall result was uh, uh, Trump 54.4, Nikki Haley 43.3, so Trump won by 11.1%. Uh, among Republicans, though, just Republicans who they polled, uh, the uh, preference was uh, Trump 70, 70%, Nikki Haley uh, 28. So that's uh, a difference. What is that? To 42? It uh, looks like a 42% margin. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, among the unaffiliated, the people who are not, who are not uh, Republicans, uh, that uh, result was uh, Trump 36, Haley 62. So most of the people who supported uh, Nikki Haley were people who are not Republicans. So, uh, you know, in the fall, I guess that's a good thing. But when you know, Republicans are trying to pick a Republican nominee, it seems to me Republicans should be the ones doing so. And a lot of people who are not Republicans came in. And some of them are, that call themselves uh, strategic voters. Uh, they interviewed one last night, I think it was on CNN, and he's a student, and he said that um, his plan was to come in, vote for Nikki Haley, uh, make life uh, as difficult as possible for Donald J. Trump, and then vote for Biden in the fall. And I don't think he's the only one who did that. And I think a lot of these were basically troublemakers who were coming in thinking, okay, here's a good way, good way to, stick it to stick it to the orange man, and they did. And, uh, you know, Haley lost uh, 70-28 yesterday. I think she would have dropped out and said, all right, I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm going home. But because this was uh, closer, uh, she continues, and Trump has got to focus on her and not just focus on Biden. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to give him, uh, uh, you know, one more thing to worry about, which is the last thing the man needs. Yeah, and certainly. I I listened to the speech that Nikki Haley gave before Donald Trump spoke, and Nikki Haley comes out with a very positive message and, and talks about it's just the beginning, it's not the end. And you can't fault her for having a positive, upbeat message when she takes the stage. Of course, that's what she's going to do. Donald Trump seemed to not like it too much, and his first remarks were about Nikki Haley and, and her speech just the day before yesterday, we were talking about Donald Trump's tone and his his ability to campaign. And it seemed as though he was moving in a little bit more of a presidential general election style of campaigning. And then, of course, last night, it seemed like that took a dramatic turn backwards. What are your thoughts on the tone and tenor of candidate Donald Trump as of this point in time? I agree with you that, uh, you know, I, I described it as a kinder, gentler Donald J. Trump over the last uh, maybe week to 10 days or so. And um, I think a lot of people uh, look for that. I don't mind the name calling. I think it's kind of funny. I think it's all really kind of hilarious. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty hard and mega mega guy. But there are a lot of people who like his policies. They, they like what America, how America was thriving before COVID came in and wrecked everything. But they weren't crazy about the lashing out, the name calling and, and those other things. And if they would just you know, if that were not a part of the equation, they gladly would vote, vote for Donald J. Trump. So uh, I welcome this kind of gentler, warmer tone. Uh, I was surprised he lashed out at, at the way he did at uh, Nikki Haley. And what he ought to do is just generally speaking, follow this basic principle, which is, you know, shoot up, don't shoot down. Uh, you know, you shoot up at Vladimir Putin. You shoot up at the uh, Ayatollahs, you shoot them up or across, I suppose, at you know Little Rocket Man who's, who's got atomic weapons, people like that. Uh, and if you're Donald J. Trump and you're leading the GOP and, and you've had this huge victory in Iowa and another victory last night, 
you just say, hey, look, you know, uh, Nick, Nikki Haley will get the message at some point. Uh, our our message continues, and our message is uh, Joe Biden needs to go back to Delaware, and here's why, and talk about some policy, and here's what we're going to do. Please support us. Thank you, and good night. And everyone's feels great. And instead, uh, uh, Trump uh, created something for everyone else to talk about, which is him kind of beating up on Nikki Haley and her supporters and all that. And that's just unnecessary. The the best thing to do is, you know, look proud, tough, self-confident, and just let it roll off his back and, uh, you know, smile and wave. And and a lot of people will, um, you know, kind of forget about the things about Trump that they didn't like and and focus on things they did like, which is, you know, being a growing, prosperous, generally happy country respected on the planet as opposed to where we are now, which is sliding backwards at high speed. Uh, so I hope uh, the kinder, gentler uh, Trump will show up, stick to the wonderful policy agenda that uh, he has, his excellent uh, record from when he was president, and, uh, and you know, just smile and be happy and, and uh, you know, not so grumpy. And I think a lot of people will uh, buy that formula and he'll be, re- he'll be reelected in November. Yeah, that's so well said. Dory Murdoch with us right now, Fox News contributor, a member of Project 21 and a nationally syndicated columnist. I'm reading your article that you have posted in the Daily Caller right now. Open borders are forcing taxpayers to open their wallets. We are seeing a great consistency in the number one concern for voters so far that have been able to go to the caucus or go to the primary. The border crisis, whether Biden wants to call it a crisis or not, is very top of mind for voters right now. What do you make of the impact that this abdication of responsibilities on the Biden administration is going to have on the November race for president? I think it'll be huge. Uh, This right now in poll after poll is the number one uh, concern uh, of Americans, even beyond the economy. And it's not just, uh, you know, crazy right, right-wingers like us. And you have a lot of Democrats even who are saying, look, this is insane. I, you know, I didn't sign up for this nonsense. And the people who are for generous immigration and giving people an opportunity to come to this country and be part of the American dream, but they got to come here, come here legally. They need to show up with visas and passports. And if they're breaking in and creating a national security headache, a complete collapse of law and order, uh, basic chaos, uh, people, including Democrats, increasingly are, are, are very unhappy with that. And I wrote my piece in the Daily Caller that this isn't just a, a national security and, and a um, law enforcement problem. This is a fiscal problem, too. People don't focus on it quite that much. Uh, an excellent group called the Federation for American Immigration Reform did a, a study on this last year. And uh, they calculate that uh, illegal aliens are costing this country every year $182 billion. Now, some people say, look, these guys work, they pay taxes, and there's a bit of truth to that. They pay about $31 billion in taxes, but that still leaves us on the hook for $151 billion of net cost for illegal aliens per year. And Joe Biden's been there for three years. So we're talking round numbers, $450 billion, 45% of a trillion dollars that these illegals are costing us at the federal and state and local level. Uh, the federal level, it's about uh, about $66 billion, and the uh, state and local is uh, uh, somewhere in the uh, range of $115 billion, I think it is, or something like that, 116 And uh, most of that from state and local is uh, about $73 billion for education. You know, people having illegal aliens and kids. Um, healthcare is a big amount, big number. In Denver, they've got about 8,000 illegals who showed up at the Den- uh, Denver Health, which is the big uh, government hospital there. 20,000 visits. They didn't pay for them. Uh, the Denverites have to pay for this, and now that hospital is just teetering. Um, here in New York City, we've got a lot of illegal alien kids all over the place. We've got uh, 160,000 illegals who flooded in New York City, cost about $12.25 billion with a B. And to pay for that, our wonderful, delightful mayor, Eric Adams, is cutting police, he's cutting firefighters, he's cutting uh, teachers and, and education, and uh, 
all this in order to pay for uh, clothes and food and housing and uh, and education for illegal aliens who've broken into our country. And we New Yorkers who are American citizens are picking up the tab for a bunch of people who uh, who uh, essentially uh, have invaded our country. And, uh, you know, it's not just Republicans don't like this. And Democrats, including Democrat politicians, increasingly are looking at this and saying, we, we can't go on. This isn't fair. It isn't right. It's too expensive and it's dangerous. It needs to stop now. Dory Murdoch speaking with us right now. Before we let you go, uh, in order for us to have a reliable, fair election, you would think that the American press would be wanting to provide the Americans with as much information as possible. Of course, there's always going to be reaction to the information that is provided, and I respect people's ability to have a different perspective on it. But what do you make of the left-wing media's decision to not air Donald Trump's words? I mean, if Donald Trump wants to go up there and tell us that the sky is green and the grass is blue, shouldn't he be able to say that for the American people to determine that he is lying about said things when the media out there is saying we won't even permit your brains to import the information that Donald Trump is saying because it's just too dangerous for you to consume. I agree with you. I think it, that's censorship. I think it's also highly patronizing. Uh, look, these are generally speaking adults who can watch Donald J. Trump's speeches and say, my God, this guy's wonderful. We need to elect him. Or, oh, my God, this guy's insane. He's a potential dictator. We've got to keep him out at all costs. Um, you know, the basic uh, first function of, of uh, the journalism industry is to tell people what's happening. And if, if Trump is one in New Hampshire and, or, and or, or is Iowa as well, and he's getting up and talking to his supporters, that ought to be on the air. You ought to carry it. Now, you can come on afterwards and say, you know, here are the five things he said. They're not true. Here are the three things he said. They're outrageous. Uh, here are the uh, uh, seven things he said that ought to keep him from ever getting anywhere near the White House, even as a tourist. And if that's the argument you want to make, wonderful. Get up and make that. And other people say, you know, here's why everything he said is, is stellar and why this guy ought to be present right now. And you have a nice debate about it. And that's terrific television. But for them to, to block his speeches and not even let people see them. I mean, if he is really, in fact, a, a pathological liar and a dictator and, uh, you know, Adolf Hitler Jr., then let him get up on TV and say awful things and let people and then come on and say, see, you heard you heard the man. He said it. And, and this is the horrible monster we get, need to keep out of the White House. I mean, if, if this guy's really as awful as Rachel Maddow and uh, her pals say he is, let him get up and, and say terrible things and, you know, scare the American public and, and keep himself out of the White House. Uh, when they don't show him, you think that they have something to hide and maybe he's not really quite the monster they say he is. Yeah. And, and I mean, the truth is, is that if his words are dangerous, they must feel that the viewers are potentially dangerous as well to keep them apart from one another. It just shows what they think about the people who they assume could be consuming their content. Very, very little of them, they must think. Droy, uh, correct. We, exactly right. we love having you on the show. Thanks for being with us. A lot more to talk about each week as we're in officially the campaign election season. We look forward to having you back. Likewise. We'll talk to you soon. Thank Got you very it. much, Annie. Okay, bye. bye. Droy Murdoch is a nationally syndicated columnist, Fox News contributor, and a member of Project 21. You can check out his piece in The Daily Caller about the immigration border control problem and uh, lots to talk about for sure. When we come back, haven't had him on uh, this election cycle yet. Robert C. Cahaley, he has been on the show many times before, and we're excited to welcome him back. He's going to join us uh, here on the air. He's a chief pollster and founder of the Trafalgar Group. He's also the co-host of Polling Plus podcast. Robert Cahaley is going to discuss with us the polls, how they have predicted so far the results, how have they shaped up, what their predictions were, what their polling suggested to the actual results, and how valuable are polls in this 2024 race. Robert C. Cahaley with the Trafalgar Group when we return. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. 
That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Cannot answer your question. The Nikki Haley campaign cannot name a state that they can win in. And people did say that she could win New Hampshire. Governor Sununu, her biggest cheerleader up there, was running around the state saying Nikki Haley's going to win in a landslide. And then all of a sudden he started to walk that back. And then he said, oh, no, no one's expecting her to win. It doesn't matter if you take second place, Jennifer. No one gives out silver medals in politics. She lost in Iowa. She lost in New Hampshire. She's going to lose in South Carolina. There is no pathway to victory, and it's a disservice to the American public that you guys are pretending that she can win. Well, that's President Trump's press secretary, and she's talking about Nikki Haley can't name a single state that she can win. And, you know, as everybody does during a time like this, we check the polls. We see if there's one that is an outlier, which is usually the one that we end up hearing a specific campaign uh, pound the table with their fists the most. And, you know, I'm looking right now at the polls that we have seen. And I'm looking at the results that we've seen in Iowa and New Hampshire, and I'm thinking, I got to talk to Robert C. Cahaley. He is the chief pollster and founder of the Trey Falger Group. He's also the co-host of the Polling Plus podcast, and he's here with us now on the Annie Fry Show. Robert, welcome back. It's great to have you here. Oh, it's great to be back. I, I'm looking at these polls that you have uh, at thetreyfalgergroup.org. Iowa, your poll that you posted on January 15th, uh, Donald Trump, 52%. DeSantis, 19.3. Nikki Haley, 18.5%. That's pretty close to the actual results of of that turnout. What have you felt so far about your polling at the Trey Falger Group, including those New Hampshire results, what you've learned from people in your polling, and what we've seen in the actual results? Well, New Hampshire always presents a particular problem uh, because it's an open primary. And, you know, when you start building your models, it is hard to anticipate that 53% of the people who are going to vote in the Republican primary self-identify as not being a Republican. Hmm. So there was only like three of us that, that polled when it came down to just Trump and Haley. And um, uh, of those, we were like three points off on Trump. So I mean, I, I felt pretty good about where it was. It, it's very frustrating to try to poll the, uh, something like that, especially with last minute changes. But um, as we look into South Carolina, there's a lot of time and it, it'll, it'll be much more isolated to Republicans. I mean, it, in the biggest Democrat primary they've ever had, it's like 400,000 and that's Hillary Obama mm. in 08. And the biggest Republican primary is 700,000. So even if a bunch of them bled over, it's just not enough. You know, when New Hampshire, we got 18,000 brand new people voted in that primary. I mean, that's bigger than the wave that McCain brought in um, to, to beat Bush in uh, 2000, which was the biggest thing that's happened to date. So 
you know, muddying up the water of the opponent's primary is, is politics. I get it. But I think that uh, with Biden actually on the ballot in South Carolina, it's a different day, but it's very close to the same day. I, I think you'll have much more of a measurement of Republicans. That's an interesting uh, outlook. I, I want to know what you, as a pollster, I want to know how, I, I would assume that you learn every cycle a little bit more about your science, a little bit more about uh, the feelings, the temperature of people and their willingness to participate in polls if they're reached out to. Tell us a little bit about the science of taking polls in 2024. Yeah, it's totally changed since even, uh, you know, I've been, I'm probably the youngest one in the industry. I don't think I did my first poll until 2008. Hmm. Um, but, you know, back then you could do um, automated calls and just really knock it out and get great polls. Now those are almost useless. So few people answer their self, I mean, answer their home line. I mean, my dad's in his 80s. He's like, don't call the house, call myself. <laughs> I mean, and, and that's kind of where we are. And the other thing is young people have kind of evolved uh, in this age where they don't want to talk. Right. So if you're trying to get people under 50 with a phone call, you ain't getting there. And so that's what we found is one of our advantages has been that we got a lot of bigger participation from young people and for that matter, minorities. Um, with the cell phone and and doing not just a text where they click a link, but a text back and forth. Now, that's the most expensive way to do it, but savvy people, younger people, are hesitant to click a link. So you you got to deliver people something that, that works for them. And the other thing is the old days of calling the house and putting people on the spot at 6 o'clock. <laughs> people are busy. Right. So when we send a text or, or a... Um, a uh, email, we make sure that we let them know that you have like 24 hours to fill it out, 24 hours to participate. Uh, and so what we find is people kind of answering one question, then waiting four hours and answering the next. But it get, it lets people do it on their own convenience. And hey, I know it sounds a little gross, but I know a lot of my polls get taken on the toll. <laughs> That's probably very, very accurate. We hear that all the time. <laughs> I can totally understand that that is the case. Robert C.K. Haley with us with the Trafalgar Group. You can go online to thetrafalgargroup.org and see some of the polls that they have conducted already. And they're looking pretty accurate. The The resources, the information that you've presented here is interesting to me. I'm, a, I'm incredibly skeptical about polls. I know that polls can be used to influence instead of inform how do you balance the information that you at the Trafalgar Group take in compared to other polls that might be conducted for other reasons that are thrown out there, given in speeches, used to try to prop up or push down other campaigns that are out there? Well, you know, that, that's funny. I always say that, that there are two purposes of the poll. They are either meant to affect the electorate or reflect the electorate. And there's that, you know, you would think there's more reflecting, but I feel like sometimes there's more affecting. You know, the best way to measure it is cycles are up and down, but look at the cumulative ratings. And when you look at like the RCP uh, ratings that they, they've had, you know, since I think it's the last four cycles, you know, we're, we're number one among private sector polling firms. We've only got a few colleges ahead of us. and what that does is 
all the mainstream media, CNN, Fox, NBC, CBS, all below us. Even New York Times is below us. Hmm. And so that's year in and year out. And so that that's an average and that's the best way to do it. And that measures your uh, error rate. And so these ones that are kind of fly by night that you've never heard of that don't get rated on RCP, uh, I'm always suspect to those. I know that, you know, sometimes you have polls that are designed to get out there and to just confuse people and maybe a candidate somehow paid for it. You know, that's not our model. We have um, members that pay to get our information. So we don't, these polls that we're putting, if we put them out publicly, they're not for a campaign. Now, if a campaign or an organization pays for it, we make it very clear in the first you know, tweet or whatever we put out, who paid for it. But if, if we don't give a name of who paid for it, it means it's one of ours. Okay, that makes sense. It helps people to understand in their consumption of the information to see if they're trying to be influenced uh, specifically by an entity that would work to gain from the information being put out there. So we're speaking with uh, Robert C. Cahaley of the Trafalgar Group. What are what are some things that you have on deck right now? What are is it always in this time of timeline of a campaign? Is it about specific results in specific uh, elections in specific states? Are you pulling moods of people or issue based uh, polls out there right no, now that you're going to be yeah, releasing? Yeah, we definitely do a lot of issue work, and then we do a lot of you know stuff for corporations and stuff like in you know, measuring public opinion as it relates to some of their brands and stuff and things, you know, of that nature. But one of the things we're, we're looking at is kind of what motivates people to vote and what their top issue is. And so everybody seems shocked when it's immigration. And what I explained is the reason for that. And we saw this coming for a while is there are, you know, we joke about there being two, you know, two justice systems. Well, there are two, two economies. And for the people on the upper end, people that are in, you know, somehow tied to something that's getting some government renewable energy money, and these guys are going wild. But for, but the people that are moving the election that care about economy first are the ones that are putting their groceries on the credit card. However, with the border, because of fentanyl, that is touching everybody, rich, poor, everybody. And so that's why it's more of a dominant issue, because, again, there are a lot of people who don't have a slightest problem with the economy. And if you look at some of the exit poll data in New Hampshire, we saw that a majority uh, were either satisfied or somewhat satisfied with their economic situation, mm. which is which certainly is not representative of the entire country. And so I think that that's one of the things that we we knew that early on. The other thing, you can go back and look at the record. Two years ago, when the first Israeli-Hamas thing started, uh, there was a little dust-up, we did a poll to see who people blamed. And what we put out there, we found, is the majority of Democrats blamed Israel. And we put that out there. We were roundly criticized. This is not right. And I said, hey, I'm not saying Pelosi doesn't support Israel. I'm not saying Biden doesn't. I'm not saying Schumer doesn't. I'm saying the rank and file Democrats and the young Democrats don't. Mm -hmm. Two years later, surprise, surprise, we're right. Man, Robert C. Cahaley with us with the Trafalgar Group, a polling entity. You can learn more about it at the trafalgargroup.org and has produced some very reliable polls leading into both Iowa and New Hampshire. 
Um, you're talking about immigration as the number one issue and how the fentanyl concern with the immigration problem that we have touches everybody. I heard this morning, I think it was on Fox News, there was a Democratic pundit that was talking about how, you know, the concern was that immigration being the number one issue and that maybe a little bit of surprise that it wasn't the economy. And the Democrat was saying that that shows that people aren't that upset with the economy, that the economy is improving and people are feeling it that way. And I'm curious if in your studies, if you've noticed that people are softening on the economy and thinking that it's better, or if immigration has just become that big of an issue that while people still maintain the same amount of concern for where we are economically, that the immigration fentanyl border security problem has just surpassed it with that much more extent. Well, yeah, like I was saying, border goes across all levels. But what we are finding is, you know, there are people whose income has risen, uh, and, and, you know, whether depending upon the industry they're in, you know, there are a lot of people who work in things that aren't really shakable. But, but the folks that have economy first are those ones that are struggling the most. And that's a big number of people. When, you know, just look at other consumer data, like the fact that uh, repossessions of cars are at all times high, credit card mortgages and defaults, I mean, credit card um, are at all time high and defaults on credit cards are at all times high. So the people who are struggling do not see any hope. And that is actually opened a lot of doors for Trump. Uh, as he looks to a general election, because we've talked about, and you, you can see in some of the polls how some of the African-American community is much stronger for Trump, Hispanic much stronger for Trump, young people much stronger for Trump. They are the ones who are suffering most in this economy. They remember what it was like. I mean, that's what people don't really perceive. We've never had in this country two presidents run against each other where there was a clear A versus B test. Did you like it then? Do you like it now? And that's what it comes down to. The other thing people confuse about the election is the difference between 2020 and 2016 is third party candidates. Jill Stein's margin was greater than Trump's margin of victory. But in 2020, if you didn't like Trump, you had nowhere to go. In 2020, Four, there's going to be all kind of places to go, whether it's Cornell West, uh, who's gotten on a lot of ballots, whether it's no labels, whether it's Kennedy, there are going to be a lot of places to go if you don't like Trump, but just can't stomach voting for Biden. Mm. And last time they all just piled on to Biden. Mm. Add to the fact that half the Republicans who did that have big time buyer's remorse now. That's a really interesting point that will have a, a measurable impact, I'm sure, on the 2024 election. Before I let you go, uh, we're speaking with Robert C. Cahaley of the Trey Falger Group, thetreyfalgergroup.org, if you want to check out their website. Um, I want to ask you if you have researched or are looking into winning issues for Joe Biden. If there are any standout areas where the Biden administration or Joe Biden as a candidate can really lean into what we can expect to see from their campaign as winning issues for the current president? Well, obviously, one of the things, uh, you know, if you look at the history of politics in uh, 2004, the fact that uh, 
traditional marriage was on the ballot in so many states is probably the reason Bush won because it turned out a lot of people in a lot of specific states. As I recall, that was the year Missouri took over the legislature. Uh, it was such a big Republican turnout. So in the places they're going to put abortion on the ballot, that could be an effective issue. But you look at a swing state like Michigan, that's already done. It's a constitutional amendment. Ohio, it's done. So the fear of abortion in 2022, the fear of how restricted things are going to get has been replaced by the reality that settled in that most of the abortion laws kind of fit the states that they are in now. And, you know, there is not all the stuff you were warned about people, you know, stuck and being arrested for having a miscarriage. I mean, all that nonsense didn't happen. So, I th but I do still think abortion can be a motivating issue as a scare tactic. I, I also think this idea of uh, that they're going to push about, uh, you know, democracy and dictator and all those type things can be an issue. Uh, but it's really hard to point to other things. Now, there's a lot can happen between now and then. And what I will tell you is the biggest thing, and this is the reason that I'm not so confident as some are, and the Republicans ability to win the White House this year is the Democrats have a machine a machine like you cannot possibly imagine. I've seen this firsthand. You know, the Republicans send out a bunch of mailers and try to get something done and do a bunch of TV ads. The Democrats parachuted a thousand paid political operatives in the state of Georgia. They were going from person to person with some computer program to pick people that were on the cell phone and turn them into a get out the vote mechanism where people could text everybody in their cell phone and remind them to vote. That is powerful, and, it, and the ripple effect is amazing. So in 2022, if you look at it, it wasn't that there wasn't a red wave. There was a red wave in a lot of states. But in the states with U.S. Senate races, they built that blue wall and dispatched that operation. And that operation, I do not see the Republicans having an answer for it. Mm -hmm. Man, it will have a huge impact. And you hope I hope that the Republicans do pay attention to what has happened before and, and work on having no. a sufficient answer, of course. But we will wait and see and continue to watch your polls as they come in. We appreciate you being here with us. We hope you'll come back again soon because there's always going to be lots to talk about. Robert C. Cahaley, thank you for being with us here today. Well, love to do it. And if you want to hear from us weekly, Matt Towery from Insider Advantage and I, do a podcast called Polling Plus. We've, we've gotten kicked off the last few weeks. And uh, uh, <laughs> this uh, one from New Hampshire that will post tomorrow is going to be kind of fun. All right. Perfect. It's called the Polling Plus podcast. Go out and subscribe to that to get more from Robert C. Cahaley. Thank you for being here with us today. We'll talk to you again soon. Look forward to it. Thank S you. Sounds good. The chief pollster and founder of the Trafalgar Group. Robert C. Cahaley with us here on The Annie Fry Show. We're going to take a quick break. Ryan Wiggins back in studio here in just a moment. And your votes on the YouTube live chat poll. Why is Nikki Haley staying in the race? Is it because she's going to win? Is it because she wrongly thinks she can win? That she's there to collect donor money or that she's a Democrat plant? What do you think? We want to know uh, your thoughts on that. Richard said, I think she wants the donor's money and she's a plant too, but it won't let me pick two choices. Well, Richard, you're just going to have to vote for one there and let me know what you think. Patricia said, I think she actually is a Democrat plant, thinks she can win and is going after the money. And Scooter said, would you believe Haley is staying in the race to spite misogyny?
Hmm. What do you think? Go on the Andy Fry YouTube channel. Give us your vote and leave a comment. Tell us what you think. We'll be back in a minute. Don't go away. No idea who this is. Oh, really? I don't even really love this band, but I respect this band. It's, it's Rush, right? It's Rush. Yeah. That's a St. Louis thing, isn't it? I'm a, I don't know. It is a very St. Louis thing to really love Rush. I don't know, my, my friend from the Upper Peninsula of Michigan was a big Rush fan. Well, I'm not saying that only St. Louisans like Rush. Like no, Sammy but it's like, a, the, it's like their, a gooey butter cake thing. I don't think they were made here. They were not. Ario Speedwagon was close. I think <laughs> yeah. they were Springfield, Illinois. Illinois. Yeah. I think my, my days spent as a sister station of Casey, which is where I know everything that I know about classic rock, which is probably mean to say about Casey. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I, um, they would do their bracket whenever, I guess in March when everybody does. Yeah. And it seemed like Rush would be, we we could fill out brackets ahead of time for the Casey thing. And I love doing NCAA brackets. Me too. And I would look at that bracket of all of these bands and I'm like, I don't have any idea except for I'm going to put Rush at least in the, the last four options. That's probably a good move in St. Louis. Yeah, it may be because we're here that I think they're overrated because they're they're revered in St. Louis. I Brackets, though, those, not just NCAA, whenever anybody does one, oh, this is so-and-so doing a fast food bracket, I'm like, I'm in. I know. I love them. I you've don't know done, why. You've done the Red Wings bracket, my son's. And, and will again. You finished in the top three once, didn't you? I won some money last year. And Brad won the year before. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Brad donated Last his year back. was weird because- Did I not donate his back? I don't think so. Did I not? No, I didn't. I took you. I bought you guys something when we went on vacation. I bought you guys a dinner. Yeah, you did. did you dinner? Or something. I bought you something. That was the goal. I said, yeah. well, I'll take you out. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, on your guys' date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, brought, I took Brad on a date with Quick that money. story time, because you have to tell the story- I hate it when people talk about inside jokes on the air and don't explain it for the people. When we went, I took the show in May for two nights. Whirlwind two ni- three trip. days, two nights. We yeah. left at 5 a.m. and got back on the third day at 12 p.m. or no. 11.59 p.m. Yeah, like midnight. Yeah. And then we worked the next day. Yeah, it was awesome. And it was a whirlwind <laughs> and event. And I got a kidney stone. And then you got a kidney stone because you didn't drink any water. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We got my husband went with us, and you can get buttons when you go to Disney World, and it would be like happy birthday button. And then you walk around, and cast members tell you happy birthday. Sometimes you might get a free ice cream or something like that. It just whatever. Yeah. And they have, um, so they have birthday buttons. They have first time visit buttons. They have buttons that just say I'm celebrating, and you can write anything on it. <laughs> and then they have anniversary buttons because there are a ton of people who go for their wedding or anniversary or celebrating an anniversary, whatever. And we went in May of last year because that was the fifth anniversary of our show. And it was a fun excuse to just go whatever. So my husband got anniversary buttons and wrote, had them write (laughs) five years on this button and came and brought them to Brad and Ryan and Hannah and myself and I go, I'm not wearing that. Yeah, because if you walk somewhere with me or Brad, it would look like I'm we're not, married I'm and not, your husband was there. I'm not wearing, no, no, I just didn't want to wear a button. Oh, okay. Um, Brian was like, I'll wear it. I'm, I'm in for whatever all the time, so. So we were in Epcot 
they have World Showcase, lots of different food that you can taste and experience in all the different countries that are in Epcot. And Hannah and my husband and myself had gone to go do one thing, and Brad and Ryan had both determined that they wanted to try this thing that was called Frushi in Japan. Yep. And it's sushi. It looks like sushi, but it's made out of fruit and whatever, rice or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's like it's like a dessert almost. Yeah, but it's supposed to. I mean, it, it was. It's supposed to look like right. look like sushi, sushi, but it's fruit and I think rice too. Frushi. Frushi. Ryan and Brad are up at the kiosk there to place their order. Let me set the stage a little bit, though. You take so, it from so, here because so you Ryan, were there. Ryan. Ryan's like, I'll get this one. I forget I had bought something else before or something like. So Ryan's like, I'll get this one. So he steps up to the. Um, to the cashier, to the uh, what do we call them, uh, cast member there, mm-hmm. and I'm back maybe two, two, three steps behind him, kind of off to the right a little bit. And uh, Ryan makes the order, he gets it, and he's like, blah blah blah, finishes pays, and she goes, oh, and congratulations on the five years. And Ryan's <laughs> like, oh, thank you, and just walks away. And I'm standing there like, he doesn't even realize what just happened because when you look at this button, like the it's celebrating five years, I think is what it says yeah. on it. And it's got two like Mickey Mouse shaped rings on it that are interlocked. Yeah, so (laughs) a show anniversary doesn't quite make as much sense in light of two rings on it. It should have been an I'm celebrating button. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Thank you. But you wore it. Well, I think Brad and I were the only ones of the five of us there who still had them on. So I don't even know if I had mine on. I, I had the fir- my first visit button on. Well, Regardless, I think May fifth of this year will be Brad and Ryan's sixth anniversary. It will be, <laughs> <laughs> and yours mainly. Yours? No, that's in April. <laughs> <laughs> yours was determined in May. Yeah, April twenty third so, is the anniversary of the Annie Fry show. We got a big congratulations, and I told them a genuine thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he was just waiting, yeah. standing there. He had saying, no idea. Thank no. you for the frushi. Yeah. And the congratulations. I'm assuming she just knew. Oh, it's the Annie Fry fifth anniversary <laughs> yeah. of the show. Everybody in Orlando yeah, knows that. It's kind that. of a big deal. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, that one That one will live in infamy. I was really happy for you guys. <laughs> so was she. Yeah, I was like yeah. officially And then we shared Frushi. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't even get two. We That's were right. eating off the same plate. Yeah. We had our arms interlocked. No shame whatsoever. <laughs> None. It was wonderful. Yeah. And I'm very happy for you. We went all the way. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. We'll do it again this year. <laughs> Same date. <laughs> Will we? Yeah. Are you guys going by yourself? Me and Brad. I didn't know about this. Yeah, so yeah it's He's just paying. you guys. He, <laughs> I'd go if he was paying to. All right, stick around. More any Fry Show in a minute. Get more at 971talk.com. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 